Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you're with. I'm so very glad that you have joined us for a few moments uh, for this message. Uh, we are in a series. It's called Sing a Little Louder, and it's about learning to find joy in the difficult times. If you have been around our church at all, you're probably familiar with a song that has that uh, phrase in it. In fact, the words say, uh, I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of of my enemies and then it says i'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes hope will arise death is defeated the king is alive well that's not only a wonderful song it's very scriptural in fact our scriptural foundation for this series is found in one of paul's very first letters uh, to a group of followers of jesus uh, who were going through some difficult times. In fact, they were wondering if Jesus is the resurrection and the life, why is it that some of our friends are dying? And so uh, Paul writes to kind of correct uh, their uh, view of life as they go through challenging times. And as he comes to the end of this letter to his friends in Thessalonica, he says these words, uh, Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you know, uh, we said last week uh, that those words uh, can almost seem like bad advice, uh, because the truth is uh, we're going through some difficult times in our world, and despair and depression are epidemic nowadays. In fact, a lot of people are living without hope, without a, a sense of anticipation of good things happening uh, in their lives. And, uh, you know, we said at the start of this series uh, that we're not going to give annoying advice to people who are going through difficult times. You've heard it before. You know, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, or uh, put on a smiley face, whistling in the dark. Things aren't as bad as they seem. Uh, though those things may be true, uh, when we're going through a difficult time, they don't feel very helpful. It's kind of like this proverb, uh, Proverbs 25, verse 20, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound, neither of those very helpful, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. And uh, we're not going to do that in this series. We're not going to sing songs to people who are going through difficult times. In fact, uh, if you were with us last week, we saw when we minimize or uh, mask our pain, you know, cover it up with a smiley face, it's not good for our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health, our relational health, or our spiritual health. If you want to unpack those, I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to the message uh, from last week. Uh, but here's the key. When, uh, when the Apostle Paul invites us to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in every circumstance, uh, it's rooted in this reality. Uh, for this is God's will for you, and then these important words, in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you're in a relationship with Jesus, it changes everything, even the dark and difficult times that we go through. Uh, again, last week, uh, we looked at one of Paul's other letters uh, to his uh, friends in Colossae, and uh, here's how he kind of expanded uh, that perspective of what it means to be in Christ. He says, uh, when we're in Christ, we can live a life that's worthy of him, that pleases God, 
And then he gives some dimension to that. He says, uh, we can bear fruit in every good work. We can, as a matter of practice, be growing in the knowledge of God. We can experience being strengthened by God's power. And then this fourth attribute of being in Christ and giving joyful thanks to the Father. Uh, for what reason? Well, for this reason. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. In case you don't recognize it, and that's a wonderful new status for people who are distant from God. They said yes to Jesus Christ, and now they become a part of his inheritance. Uh, and uh, he expands on that a bit more. He says, for Christ has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, that's a rags-to-riches story. That's uh, once being far away from God, having no sense of a future and a hope in him, uh, living uh, under the oppression of a darkened world, dark circumstance. And uh, Paul says, look, we can uh, give joyful thanks to God whatever's going on in our lives simply because of this. God has rescued us. He's brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. You know, one of the most renowned therapists in our generation, a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud, he made this observation. Reality is your friend. In other words, uh, when you look at the facts as they really are, you begin to see that uh, things are pretty good, and especially if we're in Christ, if we are among those who have an inheritance from God, if we've been rescued out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his son, that's pretty good reality, and that uh, encourages us, lifts our spirits. In fact, uh, Jesus said it like this, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free and uh, this is what Paul is appealing to uh, when we're going through difficult times. If we can anchor ourselves in the truth of what God has already done, it will begin to liberate our spirit. And that's exactly what we saw in this uh, wonderful episode uh, where Paul and Silas had been falsely accused. A riot had been turned against them uh, simply for doing good. Uh, they were beaten within an inch of their lives. They were thrown in prison, locked in the innermost cell. And then we read these wonderful words. We're told about midnight in that bloodied and bruised state of Paul and Silas. They were praying. They were talking to Jesus, talking to God, and they were singing hymns to him. And uh, listen to this. And the other prisoners were listening in on them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all at once the prison doors flew open, and <laughs> underscore these words, and everyone's chains came loose. You know, uh, that's a wonderful uh, reality that's being lived out, and it's a wonderful metaphor uh, for our lives when we're going through difficult times, and we find that reason uh, to be joyful, uh, to be prayerful, to give thanks even in the midst of difficult things, it not only lifts our own spirit, it lifts the spirit of those around us. You know, uh, someone once observed that uh, all people go through what's called a dark night of the soul. And I looked up uh, where that phrase actually came from. 
Uh, it actually emerged uh, from a 15, 16th century uh, poet follower of Jesus. It's described in this way, a dark night of the soul is a phase of purification of the spirit as described by the 16th century poet, St. John of the Cross, in his treatise or his poem, Dark Night. It is the illumination in which God's presence is felt, but this presence is not yet stable. Now, those are interesting words. It's almost a process by which we come to realize, in spite of the difficult things going on, God is with me. He's in the middle of the storm with us. And then uh, this statement, in modern times, the phrase, dark night of the soul, is used to describe a crisis of faith. Maybe you're in one now, or a difficult, painful period in one's life. And you know, uh, here's the message of this series. Uh, dark nights of the soul are not entirely bad. They may be painful. They may be hard. They may be harsh. They may be difficult to endure. But when we realize that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ, it begins to awaken in us a heart of praise. Even in the darkness, even at midnight, we can begin to celebrate the goodness of God. And it will not only bring joy to us, but it will be helpful to others. Here's the way the proverb declares this truth. Proverbs 17 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. It brings healing uh, into our lives, uh, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You know, I've realized that the truth of that proverb, it's not only true for you, it's true for those who do life with you. Uh, a joyful and cheerful heart is not only good for you, it's good for those who are around you. And uh, your cheerful heart actually becomes good medicine for others. You know, I was uh, thinking of uh, the ways that we sabotage our joy and our happiness when we go through difficult times. Uh, last week, I mentioned this book to you uh, by Pastor Chris Hodges of the Highlands Church. Uh, he wrote a book as he went through his own dark night of the soul, a time of depression. It's called Out of the Cave, and uh, he began to resonate with the experience of Elijah the prophet who became depressed, wanted to die, said, Lord, I've had enough, and he wandered into a dark cave. Well, uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, behaviors that Chris Hodges put his finger on that we often go through in difficult times, he called it the ruminating rut, and it, it's kind of like a, a cow chewing its cud. We keep bringing up uh, issues again and again and again, uh, ruminating on them. Here's how he describes uh, this obsessive sort of thinking. He says, rumination appears to be an instinctive human response when something goes wrong or when something's bugging us. It's as if we're hardwired to replay our recent trials and tribulations over and over again in our mind's eye. We mull things over for a while before we're ready to move on. Of course, we all do this. Uh, when we ruminate, we recall events conversations, situations, and we go over all the details as thoroughly as possible in our minds. I hope you're beginning to relate to this. Uh, we compare our analysis to our expectations, to our ideals, to our perceptions, usually critiquing our performance or our contribution. And now it begins to turn a little bit dark. 
such painstaking examination can result in greater self-awareness, better preparation for future situations, and more active participation. We often call this processing, but here's the big but. In our culture of comparison, rumination can also paint us into a torturous corner of destructive perfectionism. In other words, no matter how good we've done, it's not good enough, and we begin to belabor uh, the, de the details of our shortcomings. When that happens, our thinking gets nastier with each round of overanalyzing. Seasoned with regret, rumination focuses our attention on the symptoms of our distress rather than the solutions uh, to our distress. Uh, finally, he says uh, we overthink or we obsess about situations and relationships, looking for insight that will give us more control or help us achieve our desired outcomes. But these cycles of negative self-talk often create problems where there are none, and they make legitimate issues even worse. You know, uh, I hope that you can relate uh, to that. Uh, not that I hope you're going through that, but the tendency we all have to overanalyze, to get stuck in the paralysis of analysis. In fact, uh, Chris Hodges identifies three negative outcomes when our minds obsessively go over our issues again and again and again. Here they are. Uh, number one, uh, this kind of ruminating uh, allows our feelings to define our lives and dictate our actions. In other words, we begin to act out uh, what we're feeling. We begin to see others and our relationships and our interaction with God in light of our negative feelings. Secondly, it, we make it harder on ourselves than we should be. We add to our own burdens uh, through our compulsive analyzation. And thirdly, it causes us to exaggerate the negative, kind of like the 10 spies who went into the land of promise and they came back and all they could think about was the issues and the problems. They made mountains out of molehills and they were unable to see their mountains as irrelevant when it comes to the power and the ability of God. Well, if you think in those directions, if you relate to that way of responding to life's difficulties, I want you to hear me say this, you're not alone, and uh, you're not weird because you think in those ways. The reality is we're all in the same boat. Life's difficulties and challenges, especially in today's complicated world, uh, can pull us down. You know, I, I love how the Psalms speak to the reality of a journey through this life, having faith in a God who is good. Uh, listen to this expression of a dark night of the psalmist. He says, when I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night, and I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. You ever felt that way? Nothing I thought about brought me comfort or peace. He says, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. <laughs> That's a weird combination of realities, but he thought about God, and it didn't help him at all. He said, I meditated and my spirit grew faint. And, uh, and now he's describing those sleepless nights of the soul. He says, you kept my eyes from clothing, closing. I was too troubled to even speak. 
I thought about the farmer days uh, when things were a little bit easier. Uh, the years of long ago, I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit began to mull over these questions. Will the Lord reject forever? <laughs> in other words, he's not feeling real favored by God in this season of life. Will he never show his favor again? Has God's unfailing love vanished forever? That seems to be what the psalmist is experiencing. And again, maybe you can relate to him. Has his promise failed for all time? I'm not seeing the, the promises of God to bless me with his abundance and his goodness. Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Uh, you know, uh, one of the things... Uh, I've heard said again and again, we can be real with God because God's not threatened by our reality. In fact, we can revert to that truth. Reality is our friend, and the psalmist here expresses he's going through a very difficult time in his life, but he's crying out to God, and that's where his healing begins. That's where that song begins to awaken in his heart, even as he's lamenting his difficulties before God, you know, when Job, uh, Job went through it, and uh, he went through everything that this life could dole out, and uh, this one insightful statement in Job chapter 35, it makes this observation, uh, people cry out under a load of oppression, people groan, people complain, people voice their heartache, uh, they, they plead for relief from the arm of the powerful. In other words, uh, they need circumstances to improve. But uh, Job makes this observation, uh, but no one says, where is God, my maker, who gives us songs in the night, who teaches us more than he teaches the beasts of the earth? And uh, what this insight uh, from one who got a PhD in suffering through difficult times is that uh, it's normal to groan and to complain and to even obsess over our difficulties. Uh, but the invitation is, can you bring those to God? Uh, can you call out to the one, the only one, who can give us songs in the dark nights of our soul? And as you go back to Psalm 77, that's exactly what the psalmist does. Uh, he writes, then I thought, uh, as I'm going through, wondering where is God? Where are his promises? Where's his favor in his abundance? He says, then I thought, uh, to this, I will appeal. This is where I'm going to turn my troubled thoughts. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works. I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Uh, what's the psalmist teaching us? He's saying, look, when you're going through those dark times, those dark seasons, uh, one of the most helpful things you can do for yourself is to begin to think about the times in your life when God was faithful, when you did experience him. You know, I think this is one of the, the greatest values of journaling. Even if you just write, thank you, God, for helping me today. Uh, whatever difficult time, if you can recall it all, when God helped you in the past, Maybe the only recollection you can bring to mind is uh, when I said, Jesus, forgive me. He did. <laughs> he did. He blessed me with his love and his mercy. 
And uh, the psalmist says, uh, when you're going through it, and God feels like he's a million miles away, you can grab onto this hope. Uh, you can uh, proclaim that I've experienced his faithfulness in the past. Uh, Paul uh, brings us to this, and we're going to end here with a prayer. As Paul is writing from another prison cell, he seemed to frequent a few of them in his travels. And uh, Paul is writing to his friends in Philippi, not far from Thessalonica. And uh, he's reminding them, when you're going through it, uh, here's a better way to respond than, uh, you know, than ruminating yourself into despair. He says, rejoice in the Lord Jesus always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about things, but in every situation through your prayers, through your requests, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think about such things, whatever you've learned or received, or witnessed in me as I went through my own difficult times and found that ability to sing, uh, do these things, put them into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we want to just thank you. As your word says, you're the God of all mercies, and you're the God of all comfort. And I pray right now, Lord, for all of us, uh, we're in a world that is filled with difficulty, there could be a lot of reasons to be filled with despair, both global and personal. And I want to thank you, God, that your eye is upon those who are downtrodden, those who are weak, those who are willing to, in their difficulty, call out to God and say, Lord, I need to experience you in a new and a fresh way. Lord, thank you for the reminder that Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're a light shining into the darkness, that the reason you came was to give us the oil of joy for mourning, to put on the garments of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, uh, beauty for ashes. Lord, do that wonderful work in us as we turn our thoughts and our attention on you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.